Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm your host, Greg Mahochko. Joining me as always, he is our founder, he is our fearless leader, he is one half of the oldest podcast duo known to man, if you caught wow. this <laughs> this uh, week's uh, history lesson with he and Todd Wolverton, he's uh, our beloved John Dam Johnston. Hello, John. How are you, How sir? How you doing? How you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, in uh, unfamiliar territory. Where are you at? Kansas City, Missouri. Wow. Kansas City. I haven't been to Kansas City in a long time. I have only ever driven past Kansas City. Uh, I'll be honest with you, with the one exception of uh, when I was 15 years old and I was driving to uh, Colorado with my folks, the only other times I've been past Kansas City were uh, on trips to and from Nebraska, Went living there, uh, you know, moving out there, moving back. And then when I was living out there, trips back home, uh, you know, and then back out to Nebraska. And I've, I've driven out there twice since I've been a non-resident. Uh, once was for a visit up to Shadron, and the other was for a uh, uh, friend of the show, Josh's wedding out in Scotts Bluff Gearing area. So, uh, but this is the first time I've ever actually stayed in Kansas City. And uh, uh, Wednesday night, our group uh, had uh, drinks and, and – uh, snacks or, or appetizers type things at the world war one memorial uh oh, wow. really tremendous uh experience you know do a little socialize and then you know we got a tour of the memorial and got to go up um it was about 8 30 8 15 8 30 they and they were still letting us go up uh the uh tower that's there at the world war one museum and uh, i looked the tower's supposed to close at like four or four thirty, so they kept it open at night for us, which I thought was pretty, pretty nice of them. So I uh, had a, had a, have had a good time. Uh, this is a work conference, so my wife and uh, my three children, uh, ages five and under, are all back in Illinois. <laughs> so what did you learn about World War One? Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand who was assassinated. <laughs> Uh, no, it, you're it, just starting at the beginning, huh? <laughs> um, it, it was. It's you know, you sit there and and you you learn about. Uh, there was a uh, a German. I don't know. Chancellor is the right phrase, but but after the sinking of the Lusitania, uh, when America got pissed off and said, uh, "You need to," you know, told Germany essentially stop attacking our, you know non-military merchant vessels, things like that. Uh, and Germany did that for a while. And then uh, one uh, German by the name of Zimmerman, it's like, ah, you know what? America's not a threat. You know, they, they, they have maxed out their uh, military um, industry. Even if they enter the war, they're not going to play a factor. Uh, and then America entered the war. Um, one of the guys who who's not a... Uh, not like a museum volunteer tour guide or anything like that. It's like, well, America was only in World War One for like 18 months. I said, yeah, because when you want to end a war, you bring in America. We are 2-0 and in World Wars. Come on. I find World War One fascinating. It, it's tremendous. And, and the, over such a short period of time, 
the speed at which military technology advanced. Yeah. You know, and especially when and the way the World War One Memorial is set up is or museum is you you go in kind of on the right side. It is it is a, in a chronological order. So you go in on the right side and it's circular um, and they have, you know, like everything that is, you know, Europe involvement, Russia, Great Britain, Germany, you know, the World War One. And then they have one um, kind of multimedia centerpiece. That is, these are the factors that played into America's involvement. And then they have the other part is, is, you know, America's involvement. And you see that the, like, here's what the Europeans were doing. And then (laughs) the other side, this is what America was doing. America had, you know, we had some uh, geniuses working in our our military industrial complex, however you want to phrase it, uh, at that time. So, yeah, it was just, it, it was, and, and for me, one of my favorite parts, honestly, was just going up to the tower because it was dark. It's Kansas City at night, so you can get a real nice view of uh, of the downtown area, and it's just really peaceful up there, uh, uh, and it's 217 feet high. There's no enclosure, uh, so it's all open air. We were advised uh, and requested to not spit uh, off the tower, also not to jump <laughs> off the tower, so... <laughs> <laughs> so don't spit uh, or it, jump don't spit or jump if you can avoid it um so no those no those aspects just made it really it, I, I probably could spend another hour you could spend a day in there and i think because of all the text that accompanies all the artifacts things like that you're not going to be able to read every word um but you know it was it was uh, i didn't realize the germans had submarines in world war one so that's something yeah. i heard yeah so so that's uh, that's World War One in a nutshell. <laughs> they they killed the Archduke. Uh, they pissed off America, and America ended the war. <laughs> From the okay, yeah, well, yeah. we'll leave it there. The, the Cliff Notes I, version. What what else is going on? Uh, barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all working so much. It's, you know, this week is, uh, you know, it's the 50th anniversary of the game of the century. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. Who's Spencer Rattler's roommate? (laughs) Uh, I don't think it's Jordan Westerkamp. No, that, Oh, that's the connection I was looking for though. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, and it's weird because I, you know, clearly as, as, as much as my, uh, my colleagues and coworkers give me shit for being old, I will be the, uh, the next to cross into age 40, uh, which I know for you, John seems like an eternity ago. Uh, <laughs> um, so, but, but I, you know, I feel old. I, even though I'm one of the, the newer ones in this, um, in this business, I suppose, uh, you know, I, I'm, I got the gray hair to show it, but like, I wasn't around for the game of the century, you know? So everything that I have is all, uh, you know, YouTube clips, uh, maybe some ESPN classic or, you know, uh, ESPN specials on it and, uh, stories from, you know, the, the generation before me. So thank you, John, for being old. <laughs> Does it mean anything to you? No. Um, and, and I, I look, I'm sure I'm going to catch it's some okay. Hell for that. You don't have to apologize for that. 
Well, it's I, a fair I answer. But Why? I, I liked. I, um, no, now you're now you're just you're like uh, placating. That's what you're doing. <laughs> I'm not. I so I I understand its importance. It's I understand its significance uh, in in two power programs of the time. Like I do, and I get it, and and so I have appreciation for it. But it, like I find. <laughs> I, I struggle to, you know, I certainly I think before I was born, um, like I, I'm a Steelers fan. Everybody knows that, but I don't go back and watch, you know, like the, the Steelers Super Bowls of, of the seventies. Um, I, I, I watch and my, my appreciation uh, of the game evolves as the game evolves. I, I suppose I don't, maybe that's not the best way to uh, answer the question. I, I don't even know, but let, let me, let me rephrase my favorite form of football is the football that I got introduced to. So we're talking mid nineties, you know, uh, and, and honestly, like, and we've talked about this before, that's not even Husker football. Like I, I wasn't, you know, a nineties Husker football fan because I wasn't a college football fan. You know um, I remember my dad uh, uh, cheered for Nebraska over Miami. I remember that uh, vividly. He's like, we don't cheer for Miami. You know, Nebraska is from the Midwest. You know, there was no, um, you know, there wasn't like an SEC, SEC loyalty or anything like that. Obviously, you know, living in Illinois, but even going back to like, I, I remember uh, in knowing my folks, he's like Nebraska's and, and, and we, you and Tom talked about it uh, on, on the, the five heart special earlier this week is, is the uh, Nebraska's like values, uh, you know, both as, as a team and as a state, aligned better with my folks than those dirty, rotten shithead fucks from uh, Miami. Do you know anything about the history of Oklahoma Sooner football? Uh, I mean, I, I, I could try to, like, BS me, like, I know some names, but I don't, you know, like, if somebody gave me, like, somebody would have to educate me, you know. Okay, and, and again, but here's the thing. Since we started out with history, let's go in that direction. If when, when you look at Nebraska and Oklahoma, they're very similar. And it's not because they're rivals and stuff like that. It's because they're both states. I mean, if you didn't have Nebraska football to think about Nebraska, what would you think about Nebraska? What would the nation say? Oh, Nebraska, they're known for what? And, and, and from football or just the state? No, if Nebraska football didn't exist, what would mm-hmm. people in Florida say? Oh, Nebraska, they're known for. I can't imagine that they think of anything. You know, it, it, if Nebraska football doesn't exist, then Nebraska's biggest export probably is Omaha steaks. Right. Nebraska yeah. beef. And right. it used to be our license plate, Nebraska beef on the license plate before mm-hmm. it was like the Cornhusker state. Now, and Oklahoma, me, if Oklahoma football didn't exist, what would you, what would you think about in Oklahoma? What do you? Nothing. <laughs> like, like nothing, yeah. nothing stands out. Oh, oh and, and I'm sure I'm going to piss off somebody listening to this, whether they're an Oklahoma fan or a Nebraska fan or somebody that lives in that state in the middle that might, might be a fan of, of one of the two, but like, I feel like Oklahoma, Oklahoma is a lot like Kansas in that from a, from a not let's, let's like take college athletics out of the equation or Oklahoma city thunder, you know, things like that uh, from a non-athletics 
standpoint, there's nothing really remarkable about Oklahoma, is there? It was one of the last states in the nation. Okay. There you go. Do you, why? Do you know why? They fought it? No. It's because where we pushed all the Indians. And then we decided, well, screw them. We're taking over the land. Do you know where Boomer Sooner came from, right? I Yes, but I'm going to let you tell all the uneducated listeners out there. Okay, the Boomer Sooner was they opened up the state to white settlement, basically, and they were supposed to have a cannon go off at the moment that settlers could move into the state and start claiming land. And those who left before the cannon went off were called Sooners. And those who waited for the cannon to go off were called boomers. And there you four, you have boomer sooners. And this, this was what Oklahoma was known for for a long time. And, and Oklahoma themselves decided we want to be known for something else beside that. And they made a very conscious effort to build a winning football team because they wanted to be known they wanted something else to be proud about their state for. Mm-hmm. And if, because when I started coordination, what I decided to do was I started reading just massive amounts of stuff on the history of college football. So, I mean, all the history books, it didn't matter if they were Nebraska history or not. I read about, you know, the foundations, different programs, things like that. And I, if I remember correctly, their conscious decision resulted in the hiring of one Bud Wilkinson. And let's, you know what, I'll go into him. Uh, Head coach at Oklahoma, started in 1947, coached him to a 7-2-1 record. And Bud Wilkinson was known uh, for having a 57-game winning streak. Uh, It was a 57-47. Which was broken by? It was broken by Nebraska in 1959. But Nebraska and Oklahoma are very similar in the fact that when you look at both those states, they're very, you know, let's be honest about Nebraska. I mean, people, if you go places, people are like, that state's really flat. And, you know, I grew up in the southwestern part of the state where it's all canyons and valleys and stuff, and it's not really flat. But people drive down the interstate, you know, and there's Chimney Rock and there's, you know, the sand hills where you could get lost for miles and uh, basically is the greatest deposit of sand in the Western hemisphere. I don't know if people know that about the sand hills, but. So, I mean, you mentioned Chimney Rock, uh, just up, up the road from Chimney Rock is Scott's Bluff. Um, but you go into, you know, the, the, the North, the panhandle, uh, and I've been extolling the virtues of Shatter State Park for years. Shatter State Park is beautiful, it has winding hills, it has green trees. It's, you know, uh, you know then you get out, just, uh, there's, I believe it is in uh, Harrison, Nebraska. Uh, I, I'm, I'm probably going to get around, but I, I want to say there's a, a golf course out there. Maybe it's, I'm, well, I dare not even guess on the uh, <laughs> county, uh, which county it is. But if I remember correctly of my limited time out there, there's a golf course where you tee off and you're teeing off right into like just a gorgeous landscape, um, right from right from tee box number one. So the and people think that Illinois is flat. Illinois is not flat. Uh, yes, it has, you know, plenty of farmland, but you get down uh, south as well into um, like the uh, 
I'm going to forget which. The, anyway, there's a Garden of the Gods. There's one in Colorado. There's one in uh, uh, Illinois as well. So people just assume things. That's why, because they fly over us, John. I don't know if you know that, but people tend to <laughs> fly over uh, the Midwest and, and plain states. And it's it's frustrating, really. As a, as a lifelong resident of the Midwest, it's, it breaks my heart. Did you know how old Bud Wilkinson was when he retired from coaching? Uh, I didn't until uh, listening to yours and Todd's podcast earlier this week because he, he stepped down at a very young age. And uh, I'll let you give the age, but uh, you indicated that uh, he was on track and had the type of success that had he stuck around, he'd be, uh, you know, like on the Mount Rushmore of college football coaches. Yeah. He, t- he retired at the age of 47. That's, I mean, exceptionally young. You know? Yeah. Okay. Did you watch the Buffalo game? Of course I did. What would you take away from it? I would take away, uh, and and uh, with your encouragement, it, more or less with your pressure, because I was not able to watch the Buffalo game live uh, and, and do any Facebook lives or anything at halftime. You said, okay, uh, you, you owe me a, a post-game video, uh, which I recorded Sunday morning, but – my biggest takeaway from the Buffalo game is to say that, John, you're right. Uh, when we did our pregame predictions ahead of Illinois, you were very thorough in your analysis. You said, uh, you know, Nebraska's likely going to give up two scores. And that's what they did. They didn't give them away uh, because of turnovers uh, this time. Uh, but they did, you know, have some costly penalties that took points off the board. Uh, so my biggest takeaway was still that mistakes that, you know, may appear minor or, and look this time around, I I was, I was critical of the referees when I did my Sunday morning analysis. Uh, but this time around, I'm, I'm just putting it all out on first street. Like you have to be aware. And I know, you know, that people say, Oh, there's holding on the, in the trenches on every play. And they're probably right but either figure out how to get away with it better or adjust your technique to, uh, you know, be able to be a, a productive, uh, you know, offensive lineman without having to hold. Um, Because we're Nebraska, everybody hates us now. Um, I mean, they've hated us. They hated us when we were good. They hate us even more. I I think now that we're bad. Um, So we're not getting the benefit of any doubt is what I'm trying to say. Not in not not in a non-conference game against a MAC opponent. Definitely not in a conference game. We're not getting the benefit of any doubt. Uh, so you have to play flawless football. You and and that's going to be tough this week against the Sooners because on paper they're supposed to beat the snot out of us. I think they're uh, a twenty-two point, twenty-two and a half point favorite right now on Thursday night ahead of the game. Um, I was sitting there with a, a coworker where he's like, what's the, what's the spread? What's the line? And I, I didn't know he looked it up. He's like, there you go, put a hundred bucks on Nebraska. Uh, and if they win, you'll get, you know, a thousand or 2000 or whatever. He's like, but, <laughs> but you got to put, you got to put 2000 on, uh, Oklahoma to win a hundred. I said, I don't have any spare money lying around and I don't bet on, I don't bet period. Um, but I, I do agree with Frost's assessment earlier this week in that, like, look, Oklahoma's in a no-win situation. 
and Nebraska's in a can't lose situation because either it, either Nebraska, you know, does what the country, the world expects them to do, and they get, you know, run out of Norman, or they hang in there and put up a hell of a fight, hell of a showing, or they shock the world and win the whole damn thing. Either way, you know, the, the all of the pressure is on Oklahoma because if Oklahoma doesn't, if Oklahoma doesn't win by well, let's say 23 points, 22 and a half <laughs> points, let's say three scores or, or more, then it's considered a failure uh, for for the Sooners. Um, again, on paper. Uh, so th- so I, let's go back to Buffalo uh, because we, I, I jumped ahead again. Um, the, the biggest takeaway is that mistakes are still happening. Um, and mistakes happen against Illinois, and it costs us the game. Mistakes happen against Fordham, and you could get away with it. Mistakes happen against Buffalo, and you could get away with it. Um, what I did like from the Buffalo game is that the defense has not given up a touchdown in seven quarters. Um, and that's important because, but they're going to have to work overtime, John, <laughs> because business uh, is about to pick up, as they say. Well, I, I guess, you know, I watched the Buffalo game. I watched the first half and then uh, we actually went to a, our neighbors who had lived next to us for like, I don't know, 29 years or something had moved to, uh, to south of the Twin Cities by an hour and a half. So we went down to see their place and stayed the night. And I watched the, the I watched, rewatched the game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I thought, um, you know, our offensive line, I thought they'd be better than this. Uh, I think he, he, in the first half, it looked like he just ran inside zone and outside zone, ran the same shit over and over, kind of like saying, you know what, we're going to keep, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, your mom when you were young, we're going to keep doing this until you get it right, you know, and then you'd be like, oh, God, piano please. yeah, something like that. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess there, I never at any time did I think there was any threat of us losing to Buffalo, and I think they recognized that when, when there were a lot of people that were like, oh, they're we're one of the better teams in the MAC, and uh, ooh, scary, you know, that kind of shit. But uh, I don't know. I guess, you know, what we need to do is beat opponents badly that we're supposed to beat, which was frustrating about the Illinois game because they got annihilated by Virginia 42 to what, 14? Something like it that. It was not pretty. Yeah, they got killed. Well, and, Donald, uh, and, and the week before that, they lost to University of Texas San Antonio. So yeah. every time Illinois steps out on the field, it makes Nebraska look worse. The thing is that Nebraska can't worry about that. You know, right. they can't. They, that's that's rear view shit. Um, they've got to they've got to push forward, and uh, you know, forget about the fact that uh, you know that that they lost a disappointing season opener season opener against the. Not good Illinois squad. So this will be Oklahoma will be a good measuring stick of what kind of a team we actually have, especially our defense. I think our offense, we all understand that it's kind of right, it's a work in progress. You know, one thing that's been interesting though is is in the Buffalo game, uh, they ran some option plays that were I don't know, I guess interesting. You know, and people get all like, ooh, they're running the option. It's like the past. No, fuck the past. Come on, get over this shit. 
we don't need things to run because they're in the past. We need an offense that works because it's going to score points and win games. Yeah. And, and probably up to this point, I mean, where I expect Frost to score 40 points a game, his offense anyway, they're scoring about, I don't know, 24, 28. And that's not, that's not enough to win games these days. You know, I, I, my whole family for the first time is doing our own fantasy football league. And I think it's all the setup. So my sons can beat the shit out of me and then make fun of me for the rest of my life. <laughs> Cause I have no idea what I'm doing fantasy football, but we're watching more NFL football than ever. And earlier tonight, uh, who was it? Chase young, uh, sacked Dan or hit Daniel Jones. I think it was. And I mean, normally you'd look at that and go, well, that was a football play. No, but he landed on top of him with his body weight. And, and it's a roughing call, you know, and you're like, could, could we slant this game anymore in favor of the offense? So yeah. I think the good, the good news, the good news is, is that I, I don't remember how many Nebraska penalties were on the defense, but not very many and not very many for throughout the season. So, you know, if, if we're going to beat Oklahoma and yeah, yeah. You know what? It's beat Oklahoma. It's not a hope we stay with them and then we'll get more victory. Now I'd feel that way. If I bet a hundred bucks on them, one, 2000 or something, I'd be yes. okay with that. <laughs> I go, yeah, good job. Moral victories. Let's have more of them, but it's, it's screw moral victories. I mean, we're in the fourth fucking year of Scott Frost this moral victory stuff needs to be shit down a toilet and flushed. So I think it's pretty clear if we're going to beat Oklahoma, our defense is going to have to beat Oklahoma. Uh, Spencer Rattler threw some interceptions against two. Tulane, I don't think he's, I don't think he's looked particularly sharp. And quite frankly, uh, he's a good quarterback, but he's not a Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray. So, you know, maybe there's something there. Maybe we can pull it out of the ass. And then there's this other kind of, you know, we're all into like conspiracy theories lately. So let's just go with uh, Scott Frost purposely lost Illinois. And then so he could set up Oklahoma for the big fall when we pull out an offense he's never seen before. <laughs> Wait, I, 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 I have to ask because I love you. And you spend a little bit more time uh, in the online sphere than I do. Are people actually saying that? Well, people are grasping at straws for anything. You know what I mean? Can, I want to I want to put to rest any notion of that because <laughs> no coach, no coach ever, period. Let me rephrase because I'm putting the punctuation in the wrong spot. No coach is ever going to torpedo a game, period. And they're certainly not going to come back out immediately following the game and say, when they lined up like this, we had to throw out half our playbook. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Scott Frost is a genius. Oh, my God. It, yeah, I'll tell you what, hiding. if it works, it, if, if, it, if it works, if that was the goal, if that was the plan and it works and Nebraska beats number – they, they are number four Oklahoma now? I don't know. What are I they? Think I think they're still top five. Uh, I know because they didn't lose to Tulane, so I, you know, they're they got a scare, but they didn't lose. So I still think they're a top five team. Three, okay. So when was the last time, John? And and this is going to be weird being addressed to you um, because we know that uh, you, admittedly, 
have some memory situations. But when was the last time Nebraska beat a top five program? 1964. <laughs> I don't know. It seems, I don't even know. Thank God. 38 years, it seems like, 602. My dog's next to me. When was the last time Nebraska beat a top five program? 73 dog years. <laughs> she said 1964. Um, I, I don't know. I know Scott Frost is 0-8 against ranked teams, so they don't even have to be in the top five. Speaking of the top five, do you know who else is in the top five, Greg? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. 0-5 or 0-8 against top five teams no ranked teams ranked teams at nebraska yes because when he was at ucf he beat a ranked auburn team did he not i don't know we don't care okay i mean i i I didn't know if you were talking nebraska career or his overall career anyway uh who else is in the top five john yes who else is in the top five well it's alabama Uh uh-huh and clemson's up there no no they got beat Oh, that's right. The number Jordan, two team. George is up there. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State's not up there anymore. Nope. Oregon's up there. Yep. Oklahoma, we mentioned. Yep. And number five is uh, the only team in the nation that's beat two ranked teams. North Dakota State. No. No. If, look, you, don't, if, you really don't if know. Is, if this is entrapment, I will not stand for it. <laughs> it's it's the only t- team that's beat two ranked teams in a row. But we we don't give a flying monkey about them. I can't believe we even brought them up. It's not it's not Thanksgiving week yet, John. Don't do this to me. <laughs> we get one. Okay. We get okay. one week. We only get one week where we're allowed to mention them. And that's because it's called Iowa Hate Week. Okay. I was I didn't say their name. Yeah, but you wanted me to say their name. That's <laughs> that's the that, that's the con right there, Johnston. Okay. Uh, okay, I did a prediction video earlier on YouTube, and one of the it, things I'm it, curious that I I mean, right now I don't think the big part of this game is gonna be Nebraska's defense against Oklahoma's offense. And I'm really curious to see what Eric Chenander does with our defense because uh, Oklahoma has two scholarships on two scholarship running backs. So they're a little, you know, out of guys at the running back position that they can just rely on. So if you're Oklahoma, I guess if I was Oklahoma, here's what I'd do. If I get the ball first, I'm coming out and I'm throwing and I'm attacking like a madman. And I'm looking at Nebraska and I'm saying, I'm going to explosive play you to death. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if Eric Chenander says, okay, everybody in the secondary is going to play man-to-man, we're going to cover the receivers, or we're just going to lay back and play zone with the idea that we're not giving up big plays. We'll do that bend, not break thing. And Mm -hmm. I I think that would be a chicken-shit way to play defense if we're doing bend, not break. Because at that point, then we're relying on our offense to score points. And, you know, 24, 28 points against anybody and – Oklahoma's better than that. So no, but that's, that's, that's the interesting part of this game for me. But that's a good question because we know that it's good. Nebraska's defense is going to have to step up. 
And, and yeah. let me let me re, let me rephrase. They're not going to have to step. They're going to have to carry a little bit more of the load because they've they've been the ones carrying the load since last year. I mean, since the latter half of last year. So I my question would be, and maybe I'm jumping ahead. Maybe this is prediction time, uh, or 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 it needs to be saved for prediction time. But realistically, how many points does Nebraska need to score to win? I know, I know the answer to that. Okay, should we save it for? Let's save it for predictions, or 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 is that is is? Can you answer the question without getting into predictions? No. Okay, then we'll table that. We're gonna we're gonna put a pin in it, and uh, we'll come back to that later. Okay. Um, offensively, so here's the thing, and and we've been laughing about this for the last decade, right? Big 12, don't play no defense. So I think – I feel like now we're getting back into prediction time. It's okay. Uh, We're we're, we're a ways into this. Are are we we close enough to prediction time? Yeah, we probably could just go straight into what we think is going to happen. Okay. Why not? All right. so I, I was I was the one speaking last, so if you don't mind, I'll, I'll keep holding the speaking keep, stick. And keep the, going. Uh, Big 12 don't play no defense. Like, we've seen some of those scores, and we've been laughing about those scores for over a decade now, you know, or, or at least a decade, I guess. So in a world where the Big 12 don't play no defense and Nebraska's defense has been carrying the load, I could foresee a scenario where uh, Connor Culp removes his head from his rectum when it matters the most. See, he's purposely missing, too. (laughs) (laughs) You see how guys could talk themselves into stuff, though? Yeah. This is why yeah. our government makes the shitty decisions they do is because guys are sitting around a table talking themselves into what they want to happen. Do you feel like so? I mean, you mentioned fantasy football earlier. Uh, I, I'm I'm an old school wrestling fan. I don't watch it much anymore, like the current product or anything. It's the stuff that's on TV now. But there's a um, uh, a phrase that like wrestling fans use, and it's called fantasy booking, and it's taking. Uh, uh, you know, like, okay, Hulk Hogan, who was, you know, a big star in the eight or yeah, 80s versus uh, like the big star of today. Well, they're never going to, you know, meet up because Hulk Hogan said like 18 back surgeries or whatever. But you, you fantasy book things like that. So do you think that our politicians sit around and be like, I wonder what would happen if <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> uh, anyway, this isn't a politics show. This is a fucking football show. Um, Connor Culp has removed his head from his butt. He's the reigning and defending Big Ten kicker of the year. Or, yeah, kicker, special teams, whatever. A hell of a time to shine is when you're up against the number three team in the land. It is. And I don't, I don't think that Nebraska is always going to get the touchdowns that they need. But I do think that Nebraska will win. I'm going to say 30, 24. That's a good score. 
it, it's respectful, you know. Um, that that is one thing I do know about Nebraska, Oklahoma, over the years is it's not Nebraska, Colorado. <laughs> you know, it's not what we've seen in the last decade with those shit fucks from fucking Iowa. Um, <laughs> okay, it's it's uh, it's not malicious and hateful, but it's a rivalry of respect. You know, uh, what I do again, what I do know about the the history of these two programs is when they met up, it was usually because they were some of the top teams in the land, in the country. And the winner was typically going on to play for a national championship. Um, It was like, look, Oklahoma had their down period. Now Nebraska's in their down period. The sport is better when both teams are, are playing at a high level. This will be, mark my words, this will be the first signature win of the Scott Frost era. (laughs) Well, my my rebuttal would say this. Uh, The Big 12 is known for not playing defense, but unfortunately Oklahoma's defense has gotten better. Uh, if you look at if you look at uh, two of the top normally college football contenders have lost their games already, Ohio State and Clemson. Why did they lose those games? Largely because they do, because they have a first year quarterback. I mean, Ohio State's defense looked like holy shit against Oregon. They looked like they were completely lost, and that's because Oregon just ran some misdirection plays around their left side, and their whole left side disappeared. You know, and I'd like to see that from Scott Frost this this time is, you know, more misdirection options, read plays, those stupid screen passes we hate, but stuff that is going to keep Oklahoma's defense wondering what the hell's coming next. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we run for offense as long as it's effective. But Oklahoma does have a second year quarterback in Spencer Rattler. Um, I said earlier, I don't think he's that good. He's, you know, I think we're going to find out how good he is this, this time. Uh, what I, th- I think I'd say this, Oklahoma is capable of scoring 45 points against us, you know, of their own points, because that's what they do. They have an explosive offense and it's going to be difficult. Now we're going to take 45 points and we're going to take two, two turnovers away from them. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. We're going to take two turnovers away from them and that will make it what? 31, 30, somewhere in there. 31. Okay. If they had 45, gonna, you take two scores away. We're going to get 31. a touchdown from one of those. We're going to score 24 points of our own. And uh, Cam Taylor Britt is going to have a punt return for either a touchdown or close to a touchdown, which makes the score Nebraska 34, Oklahoma 31 which I don't know, it just seems fitting some kind of, you know, divine intervention because our our morality is better than Oklahoma's, those miserable fucking bastard cheating shitheads. There you go. Talking about talking yourself into things. It, do you – first of all, I everything that you said I hope comes true, up to and including the Cam Taylor Britt punt return. If he gets into open space, do we hear a man, every man, woman, and child? We hear it from someplace somewhere. Some guy screaming in the stands. 
do you know uh, how many uh, interceptions Adrian Martinez has thrown this year? Yeah, he's thrown zero. And, and part of that is, is because I think he's been very, you know, I cautious. think what we saw against Illinois is he was very cautious about that. And it kind of, it hurt us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, against the next two appointments opponents, he didn't really have to be that cautious. So I think it'll be very interesting to see how Adrian Martinez comes out in this game. If he's going to, uh, you know, if they're going to run the option, if we're going to see a lot of quarterback centric runs, because he's an athlete and I mean, he can make, you know, a lot of plays with his feet. So but that's my that's my prediction. 34-31 Nebraska. As God smiles on the Cornhusker State that he's neglected for so long. <laughs> I would say it'd be about damn time. Well, I just want you to know, John. Is is that a power tie? It is. I've got a couple more. You want to see him? I had to wear it. I had to oh wear it. Oh my god. What? These are power ties. Are these required company colors? No. Um, we were allowed to wear any tie we chose. I brought three because I didn't know what color I'd feel like today. And I felt like red. Maybe that's an indication, John. I'm not blue. <laughs> you know the last time blue. I wore a tie was? Well, it wasn't your funeral because you kicked out. So, <laughs> Was it your wedding? It wasn't my mom's funeral either. I didn't wear a tie for that. Uh, I, I probably in the nineties. I, I don't probably about the last time Nebraska beat a top five team. Honestly, <laughs> maybe there's a correlation. That mean you're gonna suit up on game day? Oh shit! Oh my god! Thank God he's wearing pants, everybody. Oh god, that's true. Sometimes I'm not. It's horrifying. <laughs> uh, okay, here, here you go. Is, is that your tie? Yeah. Nice. It's a tie I got for Christmas. I don't know how to tie it, but maybe I'll wear it Saturday just for good luck. And we'll see what happens. Of course, if, if we win, I'd have to wear a tie all the time. You would. Oh, well. <laughs> um, so what we'll do, John, is we'll, we'll get together. We'll convene you and I Saturday morning on Zoom, and I'll show you how to tie that into a beautiful full Windsor knot. How about if I just have my... Maybe my wife would know how to tie a tie. I mean, she is better looking than me. So if you yeah, want her to, help you, right? yeah. <laughs> All right, John. Uh, what what a what a blessing and honor it is to have uh, been able to share this time with you, sir. Um, we miss Todd. Uh, we miss all of our good coronation brethren who opt not to join us uh, for the Five Heart Podcast recording. <laughs> They're a guilt their way. Um, so I got this shirt today uh, at, at, at our uh, conference convention. Uh, it is America's Mighty Warriors. Uh, they are uh, basically uh, any any fallen combat, uh, you know, soldier, uh, gold star, you know, families, things like that. Over the coming weeks, I'm going to have a little bit more uh, information. This is actually a foundation that was started by the mother of the first Navy SEAL to die in Iraq back in 2006 by the name of uh, a Mark, uh, Mark Lee. So um, his mother started the foundation. Uh, It is a nonprofit and they do uh, a lot of terrific work for, uh, uh, for, for veterans and, and uh, even, even especially, um, you know, 
combat wounded veterans and uh, the families uh, of fallen veterans. They're, they're actually uh, hoping to put something together for the families of the 13 uh, military men and women who were killed in Afghanistan recently. So uh, I encourage anybody to throw it in your Google machine, America's Mighty Warriors. Um, I believe it's americanmightywarriors.org uh, because it is a nonprofit. Um, but, uh, you know, just learn more about it and maybe I'll have some more cohesive, coherent thoughts to share, uh, with it, um, you know, in, in, in the near future. Um, that's all I know, John, uh, I appreciate you buddy. And, uh, um, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Fox big noon kickoff, uh, Nebraska, Oklahoma, just like the glory days, except, uh, one team's trying to reclaim the glory. So, uh, for uh, John Johnston, our, our founder and fearless leader, I'm Greg Mahochko. We remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red! Go Big Red.